have a copy of the Word of God with you this evening, can you please turn to Hebrews chapter 10? Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to read the first 12 verses. While you're turning to the page, I want to thank Stephen for his invitation and his welcome tonight. Once again, it's my joy and privilege to be here tonight to minister in the Word of God. And we've been praying for you last week that God will meet with you. And good to hear good reports of times of prayer. And we come to God, thank God He doesn't change. And the God of the Bible, thank God He answers prayer. And He's still mighty to save. Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to break in at the start of the opening verse. Hebrews chapter 10. For the law having a shadow of good things to come, not the very image of the things can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereon to perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be authored, because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering, thou wouldest not. But a body hast thou prepared me, and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Though I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering, and burnt offerings, and offering for sin, that thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Though I come to do thy will, O God, he taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and oft, offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Amen. We're going to end at verse number 12. We're going to seek the Lord's face in prayer. Child of God, you pray along with me and pray for me. And on say, friend, could you do something? Could you ask Almighty God to speak to your heart? It's not the voice of a preacher that you need to hear. You've heard many a, a preacher. But as our first parents in the Garden of Eden, it was in the cool of the evening that they heard the voice of God. And that's what you need to hear tonight, the voice of God. Pray along tonight, please. Our loving God and gracious Father in heaven, we come again into thine immediate presence through the wonderful name of thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee tonight for the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank Thee tonight that Peter could say unto you, Therefore which believe, He is precious. We thank Thee for our precious Savior. We thank Thee tonight that He shed precious blood. We thank Thee tonight for a gospel to preach. Lord, if there was no gospel, there would be no pulpit, there would be no preaching, there would be no Bible, there would be no people before us now. But we thank Thee for the gospel. We thank Thee tonight we still believe that it is the power of God unto salvation. We thank Thee tonight we still believe 
that the one that speaketh righteousness is still mighty to save. We thank Thee tonight there's still power in the blood of the Lamb. We thank Thee tonight, Almighty God, that Thou can bring a man from the deadness of his sin to new life tonight through Jesus Christ. We thank Thee tonight that Thou can save that man. Thou can save that woman in this house this night. Oh God, Thou can wash their sin away. Lord, with no confidence in man, but we're fully confident in the God-man this night. And we cry, O God, now that Thou would shut us into God. Give us something from heaven. Take away the mundane. Take away, O God, an, an ordinary meeting. Lift it out of the ordinary into the extraordinary. Take it out of the natural into the supernatural. Lord, we cry for a sense of God. We cry, O God, for the solemnity in the meeting. And we cry, O God, now that Thou would empty that Thou shouldest fill me a clean vessel in thine hand, with no power but as thou givest, graciously with each command. Lord, I need help. But Lord, as much as the preacher needs help, these unsaved before the preacher, Lord, they need help. And we cry for the great God of heaven to impart tonight to the unconverted the gifts of faith and repentance. Lord, answer prayer. Shut us into God. And we'll be careful, Lord, to give thee all the praise, honor and glory, for thou art the owner worthy. And the people of God said, Amen. Men and women, if there was a verse of Scripture that would be relevant and prevalent for our day and generation, it would be Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends there are for the ways of death. God comes again in, in Proverbs chapter 16 and 25 and He re-echoes those words. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends there are for the ways of death. Men and women tonight, you don't need me to come to tell you in the 21st century, in the 14th of January 2024, there are many ways tonight. I remember when I got converted right with God, I went to the building site in Moira the next day. And I remember telling the director of that, that the director that was selling the houses, I remember telling that man of what happened to me the night before. And he listened graciously. And then he came to me and he says, David, it's like this. It's one big mountain. And you're going your way to God. And the Roman Catholics, they're coming their way to God. And the Muslims are coming their way to God. And do you see when you all get up to this mountain, do you know what God's going to do? God's just going to let the whole audience in. And as I sat, I, as I stood listening, only converted, I was praying that the Lord would give me help. And I said, you know what's wrong with that theory, sir? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And men and women tonight, it's not one big mountain, and it's not one sect of people coming their way and this way. And tonight, though the world might say there is hope some other way, thank God I'm depending on the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood. You see, men and women, if there ever was a day that the words of Peter in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given amongst men 
whereby we must be saved. I believe that Paul is the writer in the book of Hebrews, and I believe in the first 12 verses that we've read this evening, they can be broken up into three fours, and verse 1 to 4, it is the weakness of the law that Paul is showing the Hebrew Christians. Verses 4 to 8, it is the will of the Father that he goes on to show. And then verses 8 to 12, it is the work of the Son. You see, man and woman, Paul comes and he says in verse 1 of Hebrews 10, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually to make her the comers that are unto perfect. Paul speaking about the ceremonial law. Man and woman and young people tonight, how we know in the old economy, in the Old Testament, that the high priest had to go in once a year into the tabernacle. There had to be death to deal with sin. Now listen, there's always death to deal with sin. And the, the death of an animal had to be brought forth and the blood had to be shed. And those people, as they viewed afresh, what was it, men and women? Paul describes it was just a shadow. It was just a picture. It was just was a, a forelain of what was going to happen. How that Jesus Christ was going to come and to bleed and to die for sinners. You see what Paul is doing here? He's showing his congregation. He's showing them that practices can never take away sin. Did you get that? Paul comes and he says, practices can never take away sin. Look what it says in verse 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Paul comes and he says, the old economy, the priest went in once a year. Oh, but there was no conscience. There was no forgiveness for them. It was only a point. It was only a pointer. It was only a, a foreshadowing that Christ would come. And you see, men and women, as I was meditating and thinking about this meeting, I was thinking tonight, how many? Listen, how many? How many tonight are in God's hell? And they'll never get out. And they're in it tonight, and there's no fire exits in it. And there's no escape. No wonder he said, how shall we escape? There's no escape. And I was thinking of men. And they've sold other men ideas. For there is a way that seemeth right. I was thinking of Edward Cooney. I was thinking of this man and how many Cooneyites has followed Edward Cooney tonight and practices have taken them to hell. In my mind was taken to Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism. And how many tonight are lost lost in God's hell. And tonight they're damned. And tonight they're, they realize that Joseph Smith was wrong. They knew tonight that the practices were wrong. And I was thinking of Charles Russell and how he founded the Jehovah Witnesses, the Russellites, and how many tonight are being damned and duped and deceived by Jehovah Witnesses. And then I was thinking of Islam with Muhammad and Allah and how many tonight are being damned and gypped and deceived by practices. And then I was thinking, men and women, of Hinduism. How many multitudes last week, listen to me, last week when you were about your work, 
And the Bible says that hell from beneath has moved to meet them at thy coming. Hell has enlarged itself last week. Men and women, hell has enlarged itself last week. How many that was practicing Hinduism have landed into hell last week? I want to tell you, Paul the Apostle, I was sharing it with the brethren before I came into the prayer meeting tonight. I was sharing what Paul said. Do you remember Paul? He writes this to the churches in Galatia. In Galatia 1 and verse 8, he says, But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel that we have preached, let him be accursed. I'll tell you, men and women, Paul was one, and he was given over to the authenticity of the gospel. Paul was one and it's on that plaque in God's house on the left-hand side when you go out. And Paul said that he was set for the defense of the gospel. And I'll tell you, men and women, and pray in the lifeboat that God would raise a generation again in Ulster that would be set for the defense of the gospel. Because I'll tell you, men and women, there are pulpits and they're silent for the gospel and they have no message. And Paul teaches his hearers here, Practices can never take away sin. Not only practices, Paul goes on to say, in the verse number 11, he comes and he says, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices. Notice the last six words of this, which can never take away sins. Men and women, listen. They can never take away sins. These priests that are oftentimes offering the same sacrifices, they can never take away sin. And I was thinking, men and women, how many today in County Tyrone? And how many across Ulster today? And how many across the island of Ireland? And how many across Scotland and Wales and England and Spain? And right across the world today have depended on a priest how many today have depended on a priest? And how the Catholic Church teaches that this priest can take the wafer and they call it transubstantiation. And they can take the wafer, the very body of Jesus Christ that their church teaches, and they take the, the wafer and the priest can take it. And they take the wafer, the body of Christ, and they take the blood of Christ, and they crucify Him afresh every Lord's day. I want to tell you, man and woman, with all the love of my heart and all the love of my heart for dear Roman Catholics, let me tell you, the Bible is adamant that priests offering the same sacrifices can never take away sins. Listen to me. Listen. It's blasphemy from hell. It's lies. And there's many sincere and there's many devout Roman Catholics tonight and they're depending on a priest and they're depending on his prayers and they're depending on absolution from him and they're depending on penance and they're depending on pilgrimages and they're depending on purgatory and they're depending on the rosary and they're depending on Mary and they're depending on the Pope. I want to tell you tonight, they can never take away sin. Never take away sin. Priests can't do it. And I want to tell you tonight, Protestant ministers can't do it. And I'll tell you, men and women, tonight, the Protestants in Northern Ireland tonight, they're not one bit better than the Roman Catholics. I believe, and it's only my opinion, they're far darker. Far darker. And there's Protestants tonight, and they're depending on church affiliation. Imagine. Imagine. 
Imagine some boy, and I've knocked plenty of doors for missions around the country, and I've often said to them, do you want to come to the mission? Do you want to come to the meeting? I go to my own church. I want to tell you, men and women, there's Protestants tonight, and they're depending on church attendance and church affiliation, and they'll never, ever take them to heaven. And there's Protestants tonight, and they're depending on a man saying that I make thee a child of God and inheritor of the kingdom, and that's blasphemy too. And I'll tell you, men and women, there's Protestants tonight, and they're depending in this land on a colorette. I'll tell you, men, it's not a colorette you need, it's Christ you need. And it's not a sash you need, it's the Savior you need. And it's not bands you need, it's the Bible you need. I tell you, and it's not flutes that you need, it's faith that you need. And I'll tell you, men and women, Paul comes here and Paul tells his congregation, practices they don't work. Priests, they don't work. But he comes and he tells his hearers, and I love the buts in the Bible, and he comes in verse number 12, and he comes and he says, but, but, this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Man and woman, for the remaining moments, what I want to do tonight, I want to preach a message that I simply entitled, This Man. This Man. Now, what I want you to do tonight... What I want to do by the help of the Holy Ghost tonight, I want you tonight as the congregation to be the jury. Now you're in jury business tonight. And if some of you has ever been called to jury, you have to listen. And you need to be silent and you need to concentrate. And I want you to be the jury tonight. And I want, figuratively speaking, to put the Lord Jesus Christ in the dock. Now remember when Jesus Christ was on earth, Jesus Christ said, I am the door. Now, he didn't mean that he was that door and he had hinges and a door handle. No, no, no. He was figuratively speaking, but he is the door of heaven. And I want tonight to be Jesus Christ, defense barrister. As a layman and as a gospel preacher, I am Jesus Christ, defense barrister tonight. You're the jury. And Jesus Christ, figuratively speaking, is in the dark tonight. And we're going to learn emphatically tonight that this man, and only this man, is the Savior of sinners. Turn with me this evening to Luke chapter 15. I want to show you first of all the purpose of the man. Luke chapter 15. I want to show you the purpose of the man. Luke chapter 15. Look what it says in Luke chapter 15, in the verse 1. It says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners. Notice that we word all. Then drew near unto him all the publicans. Now that's not men that own pubs and bars, they're tax collectors. The worst in society back in Jesus' day publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man, this man, receiveth sinners. See the word receiveth? It simply means this man 
welcome sinners. Man, a woman tonight, I was thinking about that little phrase at the start, then drew near unto him, all the publicans and sinners. You see, there was something distinct about the Lord Jesus Christ. How many times in the earthly ministry and the Lord Jesus Christ, there was multitudes that ran to hear Him. How many times in His ministry He had to thin the crowds out. There was too many. I was listening a few weeks ago to the late pastor, Willie Mullen. He had conducted a a mission in the Iron Hall in Belfast. And they were coming to the Lord Jesus Christ in their scores. And he said on the last night of the mission, he turned 500 away on the last night. I want to tell you tonight, men and women, in the land tonight of Ulster, there's not an evangelical church turning one away. Not one. Not one. There was 500 turned away. Men and women in the 19th century was W.P. Nicholson preached. There was civil war in the land. And when Nicholson preached in Belfast, I want to tell you, there was three to 400 people and they couldn't get in to hear him. And there was bombs and madness going on in the land. And they were longing to hear the word. What's going on? Because Jesus hasn't changed. We've sang it before I get up. He hasn't changed. And we're not turning anyone away now. What's going on? It's an awful indictment of the bride of Jesus Christ. Then drew near all the publicans and sinners for to hear Him. I think there's a little clue why. You say, David, what do you mean? Because men and women, the Bible tells me in Matthew 11, verse 19, and Jesus, it's Jesus' words, He says, He's a friend of publicans and sinners. He's a friend. Are you a friend to the unsaved? You go to work tomorrow, are you a friend to them? Because child of God, you ought to be. And remember, you're no better than them. Because there go I, but for the grace of God. Are you a friend to them? Because Jesus Christ was a friend to them. And they come and they say, the Pharisees and the scribes, they're so angry. And they're the religious people of Christ. Eh? And they're the religionists. And they're so angry. And they come and they say, this man receiveth welcome sinners. Turn with me to Luke chapter 5. Just a few chapters back, Luke chapter 5. Look what it says in Luke chapter 5. And men and women, I love this passage of Scripture. I'm preaching next week in a meeting, and I could possibly bring this message next week to these dear people. And I was thinking, here's a man, and he's, he's sick of the palsy. The word palsy means he's paralyzed. He, he's absolutely paralyzed. And can I say tonight, if you're in this meeting and you're not saved, you're not born again, you're not a Christian, I want to tell you you're paralyzed by sin. 
Now, you might have the ability to get up and walk out and go out. You might say, David, that's a, 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 that's a funny being paralyzed. I want to tell you tonight, go you to the Royal Victoria Hospital tonight and go you to all the biggest hospitals in the land tonight and see the man that smoked 60 cigarettes today and he's in a life support machine and he's gasping for air and he's struggling. I want to tell you, he's paralyzed by sin. Sin. And here's a man, he's paralyzed by sin. Boys, the evangelical prophet Isaiah got it right when he said, from the crown of the head to the feet, oh, it's full of wounds and putrefying sores. There's no goodness. It's all totally depraved. And on see friend in this meeting, you have a body tonight that is absolutely, totally sinful. And here's a man, he's paralyzed by sin and he can't get his way to Jesus and four men come and four men carry him. Boys, it's good to have four good friends. And they carried him. And I like the little phrase that it says in verse 18, And behold, men brought in a bed, a man brought in a man in a bed which was taken with, a, with palsy and they sought means to bring him in. They sought means. You know what they done? They lifted up the roof and they broke through and they took off the tiles and they just dropped this man in. And Mark chapter 2, if you go home and read it, it's Peter's house. For Mark 1 gives that away. He's in Peter's house. And once again, there's a multitude in and there's noised abroad that the Lord is in the house. Men and women, what we need again in the land of, of Ulster again, we need it to be noised abroad that the Lord is back in the house. I want to tell you, men and women, the answer is not in storm. And thank God, no matter what happens with the protocol, the gospel will still go on. And I want to tell you, the answer is not in the White House tonight. The answer is in God's house. And it needs to be noised abroad that the Lord is in the house. And the Lord's in the house. And what do these men do? They open up the roof and they just drop this man down right at the feet of Jesus Christ. And you know what you've done last week? Last week in this house? You've just carried people on your hearts, your loved ones, and you've just carried them right up to heaven. And guess what happens? Look what it says in, in verse number 20 of Luke 5. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Boys, I love this. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. I want to tell you tonight, child of God, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. What a truth. But look what happens. Verse 21, And the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Then look what they say. Who can forgive sins but God only? Men and women, tonight there's none that can forgive sins but God only. Didn't the same crowd at the cross say, He saved others? You see, this man, this man receiveth, this man welcomes sinners. Who can forgive sins but God only? He saved others. Not only do I want to show you the, the, the purpose of the man, but I want to show you the purity of the man. Turn with me to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. Look what it says in the Gospel according to Luke. Luke chapter 23. In verse number 4, it says in Luke chapter 23 and verse 4, Then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people or the crowd, I find no fault 
in this man. Now, jury, listen. The scribes and the Pharisees were no friends to the Lord Jesus Christ. Enemies. And they said, this man receiveth sinners. And Pontius Pilate was no friend to Jesus Christ. And Pilate said three times, I can find no fault in this man. I can find no fault in this man. Look what it says in verse 14. Said unto them, Ye have brought this man unto me as one that perverteth. The word perverteth means misleads. Imagine this crowd coming to hold on godly Pontius Pilate and declaring that Jesus Christ was misleading the people. You ever see such a devilish act? The one that is the truth, the way, the life, the one who is the God-man and he's not able to lie. And they come and they say he's misleading the people. And Pilate says, I have examined him before you and have found no fault in this man. I want to tell you, men and women, Pilate cross-examined the Lord Jesus Christ. He scrutinized the Lord Jesus Christ. He cross-examined him. And Pilate comes to this declaration Jury, he comes to this declaration that this man, this man is a pure man. And then I was thinking, turn over probably in your Bible to the next page. Look what it says in verse 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed in him. The word real means blasphemed him. Do you ever think? Imagine here's a man and he's in death's door. The two men on the cross to the Lord Jesus Christ, they have only moments to live. Moments. And the reason why the Holy Ghost puts it in, it's comfort for the people of God. If you've got a loved one and he's still in the 11th hour or she's in the 11th hour, thank God God can still save them. But don't miss the other boy on the cross. The other boy on the cross, he dies a Christ rejecter. He dies a blasphemer and he comes and he comes in verse 39 and he says, and one of the malefactors which were hanged reeled in him, blasphemed in him, saying, if thou be Christ, that's the words of Satan, if thou be Christ, save thyself and us. You know what he wanted to do? He wanted Jesus Christ to come down of the cross, do away with the slaughterhouse theology, do away with the blood atonement, just come on down and sure you'll save us that way. Thank God tonight that Christ was taken as a lamb to the slaughter. You see, men and women, his companion in crime, he comes and he says to him, but the other answer him, rebuked him. Boys, you knew there was something going on in that man's life. I had known many robberies they'd done, and many, listen to me, they weren't put on that cross because they stole penny shoes. And boys and girls, you shouldn't be stealing penny shoes. I was telling the man tonight, I went to preach at a mission a few years ago and I bought petrol one time and I had put in for five pound and one p, and I hadn't got the one p. And I stole. And I tell you, before I went to preach at the mission, the Holy Ghost brought it up before me in my closet and I had to go back to that boy in that shop and tell him I owed him a penny because he thought my head was cut. I didn't care what he thought. I wanted clean hands and a pure heart before God. 
And I'll tell you, there was something going on in this man's heart when he comes and he rebukes him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due rewards of our deeds. But this man have done nothing amiss. Jury tonight, these are the enemies of the gospel, the enemies of Jesus Christ, and they're declaring that this man is a pure man. I want to tell you, men and women, thank God one day the Lord Jesus Christ, he comes and he tells the prince of this world, which is the devil, he comes and he says, the prince of this world have nothing in me. Nothing. I want to tell you tonight in 2024, the 14th of January, Satan still is nothing in Jesus Christ because he's, he's the impeccable Son of God. And then one day, the Lord Jesus Christ, he comes to his hearers and he says to them, I believe it's in John 8, and he comes to his hearers and they don't like him, and they, he comes and he says to them, which one of you convinceth me of sin? And there wasn't one could bring a charge against him. Not one. You know why, men and women? Because this man is a pure man. You see, not only the purpose of the man and the purity of the man. Turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 11. I want to show you the power of the man. John's chapter 11, verse 47. When you're turning there, I'll tell you what's going on in the passage John chapter 11, it's Lazarus. Lazarus has been dead for four days. He's as dead as Queen Anne. He's dead. He's in the grave. And on see your friend in the meeting tonight, if you're in this house and you're not born again, you're not converted, you're as dead as Queen Anne. You're come in tonight and you're dead in trespasses and in sin. You're lost. Listen, you're lost. Before Almighty God tonight, you're lost and the condemnation of sin is heavily upon you. And this man Lazarus, he's dead and Jesus Christ comes to the grave and Jesus Christ says in verse 43 of John chapter 11, when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice. You see, Jesus wasn't scared to raise his voice and we need a generation of preachers like Isaiah said, cry aloud and spare not. And Jesus Christ comes with a loud voice and he says, Lazarus! Come forth. And Lazarus came that day out of the deadness of the tomb. And thank God he got new life. What a picture of the soul that is dead in sin, been born again by the Spirit of God. But look what happens. Verse 45, Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed in him. You see, God done this for the glory. Jesus done this for the glory of God, and there was many converted. But verse 46, but some of them went their ways to the Pharisees. Oh, some of them didn't like it. And they come and they tell the Pharisees, and they say, some of them went to the ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council. Here's a council meeting. It wasn't much use the council meeting. And they come at this council meeting, the Pharisees and these people, and they cry and they say, What do we? What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. I want to tell you tonight, thank God Jesus Christ is still in the business of doing many miracles. Many miracles. This man doeth many miracles. 
Thank God tonight he's still able to raise the dead. And if you've got one in the meeting, and maybe tonight you're in this meeting, child of God, and your loved one is as far away tonight, they're nowhere near the lifeboat, they don't need to be near the lifeboat. The Spirit of God can convict them in their house, their bed, wherever they're at. Don't give up. Press on and pray on. Pray on. This man, this man doeth many miracles. Turn with me. I want to show you not only the purpose of the man, he receiveth of sinners, the purity of the man. This man hath done nothing amiss. The power of this man. This man doeth many miracles. I want to show you the preaching of the man. Turn with me to John chapter 7. It's only back a few chapters. John chapter 7, verse 45. John chapter 7, verse 45. Then came the officers to the chief priests and the Pharisees. And they said unto them, Why have ye not brought him? Oh, they were getting fed up with the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. They come again, another council meeting, and they come. Why have you not brought them? We need rid of them. Get rid of them. And then they come and they say words that are so lovely. They come and they say, the officers answered, Never man speak like this man. I want to tell you, man and woman, God had only one son, and he gave him over to preaching. And never man preached like this man. Never a man preached the gospel like this man. Never a man expounded the gospel like this man. Never a man opened the scriptures like this man. I was thinking today as I was going over this, I was thinking, I would say I've heard some good preachers. You think of the giants in the land that God raised up even in our own country, men like W.P. Nicholson. Now, I wasn't born in the 1900s. I might have no hair, but I'm not a hundredth. But I've heard tips of him. And I've heard CDs of Mullen. And I've heard Paisley preach and Sam Workman preach. And I'll tell you, men raised by Almighty God to preach the Word. And I've heard Ravenhill preach. And I've heard Vance Havner preach. And Alan Kearns preach. And all their great men of God. Can I tell you, men and women, they are insignificant to this man. Never man speak like this man. Never. I was thinking about Paul. Paul comes to Acts chapter 14. Turn with me to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 13, sorry. And Paul's preaching here in Acts chapter 13. And Paul's some preacher and he's coming and he's preaching in Acts chapter 13 and verse 29. He says, And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, that's Christ, they took him down from the tree. You see, Paul's bringing his company to Calvary the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. He brings them to the tomb. And then he brings them, but verse 30, but God raised them up from the dead. He brings them to the triumph. Paul, some preacher, the tree, the tomb, the triumph. And then Paul comes. Look what he says in verse 32. And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto their fathers, verse 38, be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Man and woman, listen. Paul said one day, we preach not ourselves. We are not interested in preaching ourselves, but we preach Jesus Christ the Lord. Paul comes and he says, be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man 
is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Unsafe written. You're in this meeting and there's many across our land and they've got health problems. Our hospitals are full, our witnesses are full. And there's many broken homes tonight and there's problems in the home and there's financial problems and there's health problems. But on Satan, listen, you've got a problem that's meeting that outweighs them all and it's a sin problem. Sin. And I'll tell you tonight, there's only one that can deal with your sin. And I was thinking as we... In times to come when we go on holidays, we pack our bags and there's excitement and we take our bags with us because we're going somewhere new. I want to tell you this is going to be a day that you're going to close your eyes and you're going out to eternity to meet God and your bags that we packed. You say, David, what do you mean? Because the Bible says you take nothing in the world, you come in with nothing, you take nothing out. But there's a bag going with you. You say, David, what do you mean? Job says in Job 14 and 16, Dost not thou watch over my sin? Oh, and see, friend, they seen what you were at last night. Your wife might know about your adultery, but God knows. Sure, God seen the pornography that you watched. God seen it. Dost not thou watch over my sin? And then the next verse says, in Job 14 and 17, My transgression is sealed up in a bag, and thou sowest up mine iniquity. I'll tell you, if you die in your sin, you're going to be lost and your bag of sin is going to be brought before Almighty God. And they'll all be there. Everyone. You see, this man, the preaching of this man, what about the propitiation of this man? And that word propitiation simply means what about the atonement of this man? That's why we're going back to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 in the verse 12, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. I want to tell you, men and women, thank God tonight for the place called Calvary. Thank God for the one tonight, the pearl of great price. The one who went to the place called Calvary. And oh, Jesus Christ, he lived that perfect life. And he went as a bleeding surety to the, to the hill called Calvary. And the Bible says, and the psalmist says regarding Jesus Christ, but I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. That's how he felt in the cross of Calvary, a worm under the crushing influence of sinful and wicked hands of men. I am a worm and no man, a reproach of the people, despised. Men took him and they spat upon the princely face of Jesus Christ. Imagine spitting on the wonderful, beautiful face of Jesus Christ. And they plucked the hairs from off his beautiful face and they blindfolded him and they buffeted his face and they punched him and they barracked him and they battered his face. And his visage was so marred more than any other and they put a crown of thorns and they put it into his head and they crush it down in. And then they strip him and they put him over an old scourging pole and they lacerate the very back of the Son of God. To the Bible says, men and women, his back was like a ploughed field. And then they take him and they make him carry his cross. And the Bible says he was crucified in much weakness. Of course he was. Fully man of fully man. And he goes to the cross. And there he is, and men and women, they took him to the cross and they nail him hand and feet to the old Roman gibbet. And they lift it high and drop it low and every bone is out of joint. 
And the psalmist says they were like bad bulls of Bashan around the cross and the ravening wolves. They were there that day at the cross and they laughed at him and they mocked him and they blasphemed him. And they said he saved others himself he cannot save. Come down from the cross and we will believe you. He was made the song of the drunkards. He was laughed upon. He was mocked. He was despised. And the psalmist says in Psalm 69, he looked for some to take pity. And there was none. Not one. He looked for some to comfort and there was none. None. Jesus Christ, my dear on friend, on dear friend tonight, Jesus Christ, as he hung on that cross, he cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And there, across Calvary for three hours, there was darkness across the world. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God, He took my sin on His own body in the tree. Oh, and see, friend, tonight, He took your sin on His own body in the tree. And there on the cross, the Bible says, His soul was made an offering for sin. And He was judged, and He was punished, punished, punished for sin. The scapegoat, the surety, the substitute, and man and woman, thank God, he cried with a loud voice, finished! Finished. Thank God he stepped into death to destroy him who had the power of death. And thank God, up from the grave he arose a living Savior. And with one tonight, on save loved one, on save friend, we've got one in glory tonight. And thank God he's mighty to save. Thank God he brought declaration to the world that he was satisfied with his son at the cross, that he raised him from the dead. And he's up out of the tomb, and he's in heaven tonight. I tell you, this man, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down. The propitiation of this man. Jury, the propitiation of this man. What about the problem for you, man? What about the problem for you, young woman? You say, David, what do you mean? There's a problem here. There's a problem. Because the Bible tells me in John chapter 18, verse 40, that the crowd said that day, Not this man, but Barabbas. You say, David, who's Barabbas? Barabbas was a murderer. Barabbas was a robber. The crowd that day, they come and they say, Not Jesus Christ. We don't want Christ. We don't want gospel. We don't want forgiveness. Give us our sin. Listen. There was a man in the Bible and he wanted heaven and he wanted his sin. Who was he? Balaam. Let me die the death of the righteous. He was one that thought about death. He was one that thought about it. He was one that wanted to make plans about it. But the Bible tells me let me die the death of the righteous and let my latter end be like his. But he did not want, he did not want to live the righteous life. 
the Bible tells me he was one that loved the wages of unrighteousness. He loved the sin. And the problem for you, sinner, tonight is what the problem was that day with the crowd in John 18 and 40, not this man. And then Luke 23 and verse 18, you else what they said that day at the cross? Away with this man. And tonight, if you go out those doors and the further doors out there and you go under your car tonight, what you've done, you've trampled the blood of Jesus Christ right the whole way down that carpet, out into that foyer, right through that door under your car. You know what you've said to the Spirit of God tonight? Not this man. Away with this man. That's the problem for the sinner. What's the conclusion? You see, man, a woman, you're the jury. Jesus Christ, figuratively speaking, has been in the dark. The conclusion. The question was put by Pilate in John 18 and 29. He comes and he says, What accusation bring you against this man? What charge do you bring against this man? Unsaved friend tonight, what charge do you bring against this man? As a gospel preacher tonight, I'll tell you the charge that I bring for this man. It's found in 1 John 4 and 14. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. That's the testimony. That's the testimony. What charge do you bring against him? What charge do you bring against this man? During the week, I was doing my readings early one morning. God spoke to me about this meeting. I said to Stephen, Stephen asked me to preach late October here for the 7th and the 14th of January and God burdened two messages in my heart last week and this week. I was doing my readings this week and my mind was taken to Genesis chapter 24. You can turn here if you want. I'm through in two minutes. It's the story of Abraham. Sarah's died and Abraham's son Isaac, he's, he hasn't got a wife. And then Abraham, he comes to his oldest servant, it's Eleazar, and he comes and he sends him out to get a wife for the young boy, his son. And Eleazar, he goes out he goes out and he's praying as he goes out and he's praying and he, he's going to go to a well and he's longing that God will bring a woman to the well. And God answers his prayer and Rebecca comes to the well. And then he, he ponders and he wonders, is this of God? And he's meditating and praying. And then he starts to tell Rebecca all about his master Abraham and his son. He starts to tell about the wealth, the wealth, man and woman, the wealth of Isaac. And then he comes and he starts to give out gifts. He tells about the wealth of Isaac and then he gives gifts to Rebekah. And then they know it's off the Lord, but the brother and the mother, they come and they say, can we not just keep her a few more days? And he says, I be in the way the Lord led me. Don't, don't hinder me. Hinder me not. And then the question has come and put to this young woman, Wilt thou go 
with this man. And I want to ask you on seeth friend tonight, wilt thou go with this man? Tonight. Because Jesus Christ will welcome you tonight. You can come in unjust. You can come out just. You can come in dead in sin. You can come out alive in Jesus Christ. You can come in condemned. You can go out alive and forgiven tonight. Wilt thou go with this man? Jury tonight. Thank God this man receiveth sinners. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Once a friend, if you want to speak to me or Stephen or whoever after the meeting, I have a little booklet, let him in. You need to come tonight. Once a friend, you need to come tonight. You've heard his pleadings, Spirit of God's pleadings and warnings. The message has all been about the person, the work of Jesus Christ. That's what you need, this man. And I trust tonight you'll come. Our loving God and gracious Father, we thank Thee for the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank Thee tonight for this man. We thank Thee tonight that this man receiveth of sinners. We thank Thee for the purity of the man. We thank Thee for the power of the man. We thank Thee for the preaching of the man. We thank Thee for the propitiation of the man. Lord, our boast tonight is in the God-man. And we cry tonight for those in this house that are not saved, not ready to meet Almighty God. We cry that they would do business tonight with God. Lord, as Rebecca was told about the wealth of Isaac, we thank Thee tonight, knowing the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though He was rich, yet for Your sakes He became poor, that Ye through His poverty might be rich. Lord, we cry tonight that the God-man would part gifts of faith and repentance to lost, perishing souls. Lord, give no sleep and give no rest till the ungodly find rest through Jesus Christ. Lord, answer prayer, part us with thy fear and in thy blessing, Lord, help us to be conscious, Lord, that the Lord has been here. In Jesus' name, amen.